Hello, 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 and welcome to the 90 Min End of Year Awards. I'm still Chris Dealey, and I'm joined by Aidan Cusick. Hello. And Jamie Spencer. Hello. Uh, we're not joined by Scott Saunders today, who's away infiltrating an underground hamster fighting ring in eastern Hungary. I thought he'd quit just like he did The Apprentice. We're going to get straight into it with our Young Player of the Year shout. Aidan, who have you got? I've gone for Delhi Ali. I know he spent half of, well, the back end of last season in League One. I think that highlights just how good he's he's been to become um, a regular at Spurs so quickly and be involved in the England setup as well. I just think he's he's been incredibly refreshing. It's so rare for an English player in central midfield who likes to attack people through the middle as he does. And I just hope that he doesn't lose that fearlessness as he gets older, as some players do. Well, mine is Everton's Romelu Lukaku. Uh, it's hard to it's sometimes hard to remember that he's still just 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even turn 23 until May. The last end of last season for him was maybe not, not his strongest. He was still good, but uh, not spectacular. This season, he has been spectacular. 15 goals already. Nine in his last eight, I think. He's been incredible. He's the only thing. Him and maybe Jared de Alifayou, the only thing really keeping this Everton team in business at the moment because their defence has just been horrible. Yeah, he's certainly my shout. Jamie? For mine, I would have to agree with uh, Aiden's choice and, and go down the Deli Alley route. Basically, for the, for the same reasons, he's just taken to his new environment in the Premier League better than you ever might have expected. I don't think he would have expected to be involved as much as he has been so soon. So I would agree for that. But I'd also like to put an honourable mention out to Duncan Watmore at Sunderland. We, uh, we've mentioned him before on this show, or I have anyway. Just because he's like a been a breath of fresh air, he's obviously not been as spectacular as someone like Ali has at Tottenham, but I think his emergence at Sunderland has been quite important for them. He offers like a, a ray of hope where there hasn't been much before. So to a lot of people, he's obviously only come on the scene the last sort of 12 months. But for me, I've known about him for a couple of years. I was fortunate enough to watch him quite a lot when he was at Altrincham. In the Conference North is the division that they were in at the time, so that's the sixth tier. And having seen him at that level when he was just 18, it was obvious that he was destined for bigger things. I mean, I thought League One, Championship, at a push, but he's exceeded those expectations by obviously making it into the Premier League. He's just got a really bright future, and I think it was important to highlight him. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's always uh, always nice to have a bit of optimism about the future, especially for young British players. So that's the youngsters done. Do any of those get a look in for your overall player of 2015, or is that somebody else? Um, we were with Jamie last on that, so we'll go to Aidan again. I, I'll be honest, I, I did consider Romelu Lukaku for, for both. I've not gone with him for either in the end. The only reason I didn't pick him for the young player is because I know you say he's, he's 22, and I completely agree with the reasoning behind that but he's been playing for like six years so in my eyes he, he's not young anymore he has far more experience than the most 22 year old so that's why I disregarded him for that but that's the only reason oh yeah no I understand that that's uh, that's fair enough and your player of the year my player of the year is Harry Kane I know you're the the site's Spurs sympathizer sympathizer yes <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm starting to starting to worry about myself now because because uh, I've gone for two Tottenham players. But yeah, I just think that in 2015 was a bit of an odd year. Nobody from from any of the teams who finished in the top four last season have really stood out consistently. Obviously, you've got Vardy and Mahrez at Leicester, but theirs is more recent form. I know Vardy kind of began to find his feet at the back end of last season, but he's only really just started banging in the goals. 
um, at the start of this one. But I think Kane's done everything this year. He's, he's established himself as, as more than just a flash-in-the-pan type striker. Um, he's become an England regular pretty much from, from day one, as soon as he got called up. Um, and I think the most impressive thing about him is he plays pretty much every game on his own up front. And yet he still scored 29 goals this calendar year, which is only one fewer than Igalo, who's got the most in the country. Yeah, I think, um, that, that, I think that jumps up to 32 when you count as England goals as well. Yeah, so um, so yeah, I just I found it really hard to look further than Kane, really. Okay, so Harry Kane from Aiden. Jamie, same or have you gone for uh, Daily Blind? Duncan, <laughs> Duncan Watmore and Daily Blind's hypothetical future love child? <laughs> I, uh, I haven't gone for, for Daily Blind, although I would have liked to, but it's probably quite hard at the moment. So Aiden mentioned Adi Inagalo briefly there, and that would be the one that I would go for as player of 2015 because he scored his 30th goal of the calendar year against Tottenham and it's just been a, a really surprising rise exceeding the expectations for somebody who obviously played really well in the championship last year but then has carried that form straight into life in the Premier League it's not like he's taken time to adjust like what um, Jamie Vardy did he's just gone straight into it he scored that now 14 Premier League goals this season after his 20 in the championship last season 30th of the calendar year in all competitions and he's been a little bit of a journeyman in his career as well you've not there's nothing there was nothing to point to this sudden explosion yes no I mean if you look at his uh, if you look at his goal scoring record at his previous club when he played for Granada he scored six goals in uh, 30 appearances in 2011-12 four goals in 28 appearances 2012-13 Two goals in two starts and 13, uh, 14 appearances off the bench in 2013-14. Uh, and then he's just come to Watford and absolutely exploded. Well, yeah, that's, that's the point. I mean, he's just... He's a really good finisher. I mean, he's not that... Actually, how tall is he? I just looked there. He says six foot two. He doesn't look like he's six foot two. Is that surprises me. I, t- I tell you what, he looked every bit of that six foot two when I watched him um, against Spurs uh, on Monday. Just the power, the goal that he scored, I don't know if either of you saw it, it was it was just everything, power, pace, instinct, finish, everything you'd want from a top flight striker of any age in any division. Um, he just seems capable of scoring all different kinds of goals, improvising. Um, the goal that he, the first goal that he scored against Liverpool was that kind of thing where he held off, he held off Skirtle and then just like had one touch in the bottom corner. And then obviously his second goal in that game was a, a six-yard box header, so... He's quite versatile. He scores lots of different kinds of goals, which is obviously a bonus in somebody who just scores one type of goal. And he's he's not entirely a finisher as well. He's, he's you know he's created most of Troy Deeney's goals that haven't come from the penalty spot this season. Okay, so yes, Igalo's been a bit of a phenomenon for me. I, I think I'll I'm going to break the mold slightly and not go for a striker. Now, Aidan's mentioned that I'm I suppose one of the site's resident Spurs sympathisers, but my pick for player of the year is Mesut Ozil. This could be biased by the fact that uh, his last six months have been so impressive and it's what's stuck in the head more, but I don't think in all the time I've been watching Premier League football there has been a player with a better eye for a pass and a better ability to pull that pass off in the last half or third of the pitch than Mesut Ozil. And it was, you could see that he was building up to it at the tail end of last season. And he's just been absolutely beyond belief um, 
since August, what, 16 assists and three goals, I think, in the league. A couple of Champions League goals chucked in there as well. He's oh, he's just a joy to watch. I think for me, um, Ozil, he, he didn't look like he fancied it his first year to 18 months in this country. He didn't look like he was ready for people getting in his face and tackling him more than he'd been used to in Spain. But obviously now he's sort of grown into that. The, the, the only games that I'd ever seen him play before he moved to England was in the World Cup for Germany against England when obviously England got smashed. And uh, the other ones were when he was playing for Real Madrid against Manchester United in the Champions League 2013. And on that day, on those two days and across the two legs, I actually thought he was probably Real Madrid's best player. You know, considering the fact they had players like Ronaldo and Benzema on the pitch as well, I thought he was the, the most threatening, the most dangerous that they had. So it surprised me that he was so poor when he first arrived in England. But now that he's found his feet, it doesn't surprise me that he's as good as he's become. So let's rattle on to a manager of the year, uh, Jamie. For this one, I've gone with Alan Pardew at Crystal Palace. Is it quite? It fits quite nicely into the into the year as well because he obviously took over at the start of January um, in 2015, and now we're at the end. And it's been such a dramatic turnaround for Palace because when he arrived there, obviously they were in a bit of a, a pickle facing relegation and he's turned them from relegation fodder to a team that's genuinely challenging to finish in the top five to seven in the Premier League and that's just a, a ridiculous turnaround in, in just 12 months and he deserves a lot of credit for all that. Uh, Aiden, uh, Exactly the same. Um, yeah, someone brought up a, a tweet yesterday which was the one that Palace put out when they sacked Neil Warnock and the second comment was a Newcastle fan who said, please take Pardew. And um, obviously Palace are now fifth and Newcastle are uh, 18th and, and have struggled throughout 2015. I just thought that was particularly brilliant. But yeah, I agree with, with everything Jamie said about Pardew. And um, he was probably the only category on here that I picked immediately and, and didn't have any doubts over. Now, see, I was a little tempted to go for Claudio Ranieri because I love him a bit. I think I've written a couple of times on the site about how much I love him. More because of the, well, certainly as much because of the brilliant Chelsea side that he managed in the early 2000s. Um, Gianfranco Zola in that side, possibly my favourite football player of all time. But even so, yes, I also picked Alan Pardew. I think as much as uh, as much as you can say for what he's done for Palace since he took over, it equally shows how well he was doing at Newcastle with their decline since he left. I mean, they've just been an absolute horror show. You know, a lot of people are complaining about him, but they're in so much of a worse position now and Palace have just rocketed up the tail he's been uh, he's been superb and I think Palace absolutely hammering Newcastle at Sellers Park might have been one of the most satisfying moments of the uh, of the calendar year just brilliant yeah I'd go with that and shuffle 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 down the track onto team of the year club or international Aiden, uh, why don't you kick us off here Leicester I've gone with. Uh, I tell a lie. I actually, <laughs> these were alongside Pardew as one of the ones that I put in straight away and didn't doubt. While Palace have gone from relegation zone to fifth, yeah, Leicester have done even better than that. They're, they went from being bottom of the table at Christmas last year to top of the table Christmas this year. By the time this goes out, they could be top again, but they're well in the top four and well in title contention as well. That great escape they had at the back end of last season was like no other I can remember. And they've just carried that on into this season and have perhaps been the most exciting team to watch of all. And that's despite a change of manager in the summer 
and everybody tipping them to go down. And like Chris said about Claudio Ranieri being being quite likable, I just think it's been a very fun year to watch Leicester. Yeah, uh, just putting it out there, in the annual Premier League table, so all the matches from 2015 rather than the season, with a game in hand over Spurs two points above them, they're fourth since January the 1st this year. So obviously the people who are doubting that they can keep it up for a full season, I know I'm, I'm kind of still among them. They've got some longevity. They're above Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool over the last 12 months, which is mad. Now, Jamie, your team of the season... Now, Aidan's just explained every reason why Leicester are better than Crystal Palace, but I was still going to say Crystal Palace. I understand that because I was tempted to say the same thing. I agree with all the reasons he said about Leicester. They have been a really good team. I just really like Palace. They're just fun to watch. You know, They've got really exciting wingers, attacking players. Johan Kabay in central midfield has just been absolutely amazing over the, the last six months of 2015. At the back, Scott Dan has probably been one of the most underrated defenders in the Premier League over the last 12 months, as has Damian Delaney. They're just exciting to watch, they're enjoyable to watch, and that's why I picked them. I think there's something to be said, frankly, for Palace being a more complete team than Leicester, uh, which is why I was tempted to pick them. Uh, Leicester relying a lot on Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mahrez when you know, Palace have got their really, really good defence to fall back on. They've got a strong midfield, they've got the wingers there. The only thing they're missing really is a, uh, a really good striker. Don't tell Patrick Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Yes, I read his quotes that came out last night. That's um, combative. Fingers crossed he's, uh, he's heading north in the transfer window. Finally, my, my team of the year is not a club side at all. It's actually the England women's national team largely for their obviously largely for the performance at the World Cup I'll give it a quick recap because I'm not sure exactly how many people watched it clearly Jamie and I did most of it they lost their opening game 1-0 to France it looked as though the team were just going to kind of England basically they were just going to do an England at a World Cup disappoint play limp uninspiring football and then it just didn't happen. Uh, Lucy Bronze and Steph Houghton were brilliant to uh, take them past Norway and into the knockout rounds, beat a Canada team who were frankly one of the favourites for the tournament, lost lost in the most heartbreaking fashion, the most heartbreaking own goal right at the, in the I think in the last minute of the match against the uh, holders Japan in the semi-final, and then beat Germany in the third-place playoff for the first time in, what, 20-odd meetings? 108th minute penalty converted by a player who until they began playing for England in fact even while they were playing for England was homeless and sometimes sleeping rough I mean it's it's just an incredible story it's brought so much um, so much into the women's game in terms of uh, media attention and fan coverage um, and I, I think they're just a, just a very very good team with a very very solid manager Mark Sampson uh, who I like a lot Aiden, any uh, I don't. I don't know how closely how closely you followed them. Any anything to add on that? No. Um. I'm ashamed to say I didn't really pay much too much attention. I don't really watch a lot of men's football most of the time, so that's my excuse. I don't. I didn't really find time to um to watch that as well. You mean you you to my shame. You mean you weren't staying up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> watching games from Canada? That's another reason. I think I might have been in New York for the Canada game actually because that rings a bell. Ah. I watched that and it was like late afternoon tea time kind of thing so I did watch that one because cause obviously the, the timing was good but yeah I need my sleep <laughs> and uh, Jamie just a, a quick 
a quick thought on well whether their their World Cup performance puts them in the same kind of range as Leicester and Palace. For, for sure. I, I um, You mentioned there about the first game against France and they uh, were quite underwhelming in that game. They didn't they didn't go into the tournament with like huge hopes, but you expected them to play better in that first game and they just didn't really turn off. And then you thought, well, this is going to be, as you said, more of the same from England because England, whatever gender it is, <laughs> underwhelmed. But no, they, they, um, they punched above their weight and they got as far as they did and it was just a really good achievement. So I'd, uh, I'd back you on, on mentioning them. Okay, and then finally, a game of the year. Just to, just to round us off quickly, uh, Aiden, your shout for this? I've gone with Spurs again. I couldn't really avoid it, really. It's, it was uh, the one where they beat Chelsea 5-3 and it was one of the very first of the year, actually. It was um, on, yes, it was on New Year's Day. Uh, it was one of the few games I've watched for pleasure this season and, funnily enough, it was actually quite pleasurable. Chelsea went ahead, um, Spurs then came back and were 4-1 up and then 5-2 up and then finally 5-3. Um, I think that was the one for me that that made me think that Harry Kane is actually the real deal. He scored two that day, and I thought, yeah, this this is not just a flash in the pan. This is this um, a very good um, centre forward, and that's that. We are kind of rattling through. We're a bit pushed for time at the moment, so I'll just throw mine in quickly. It's Bournemouth three, Everton three, about a month ago uh, at the Vitality Stadium. An incredible match in its own right. Obviously, any any no three three game is going to be a a, a borathon. But Everton two 0 up going into the last ten or fifteen minutes looked like it was pretty much done and dusted. But then obviously you have to remember that Everton are Everton. I think it was uh, Adam Smith scored the uh, scored the first for Bournemouth. Uh, Junior Stanislas equalised with two or three minutes to go. Hey, you know from that point, yeah, nice game, nice two two game, bit of entertainment for everyone. Nice comeback. Uh, Ross Barkley scored in the 95th minute. Everton fans go absolutely mental. The Everton fans that went to the travel down to Bournemouth for the match invaded the pitch, went absolutely berserk at their last minute winner. And then, uh, from all the stoppage time from the pitch invasion, Bournemouth went up the other end and Stanislas scored again in the 98th minute. And I think, as we all know, funny football is at all times and in all situations, better than good football. And that was one of the funniest moments I've seen all year. I'd go along with that. It was pretty funny. I laughed. I mean, I feel bad because I quite like Everton as a, as a team. I quite like Everton's fan base. But um, I mean, you're just asking for it, really, aren't you? Jamie, to round us off. So to round us off uh, match of the year, I'm going to kick it back over to uh, the women's game and choose the World Cup final between the United States and Japan, which was... For anybody who is unawares, 5-2 uh, to the United States. And so this was a, a rematch of four years earlier and a rematch of the 2012 Olympic final as well. So it was a bit of a, a grudge match going on. And the United States just absolutely obliterated Japan from the literally the opening minutes. Um, it was 4-0 after 16 minutes. On, it was on a par with Brazil and Germany at the Men's World Cup from a year earlier. That was the kind of direction it was heading and then it was just a performance when it really mattered on the biggest stage from the United States to exercise some demons really because everybody always assumes that they're like the best team in women's football but they hadn't won the World Cup for 16 years until that point yeah I mean it was a World Cup final so where else do you take it from there and a match that um, featured possibly one of one of the best possibly the best goal in a World Cup final uh, from Carly Lloyd oh yeah and I know you had a little bit to uh you want to give her an honourable mention in another category? 
Yes, so to push out a, a, a an individual performance of the of the whole of 2015, I would choose Carly Lloyd for that game. She was a veteran of the team going into this tournament, past the age of 30. This was possibly her last World Cup, last time to really shine, make an impression, and she did that in a ridiculous fashion in that final. I said it was 4-0 inside 16 minutes. She scored a hat-trick inside that time. And one of them from the halfway line. Them was from the halfway line, yeah. And it was just to call it a clutch performance is possibly an understatement. She had a bit of a reputation for clutch performances. She scored the winning goals in the 2008 and 2012 Olympic finals. She also scored in the last 16, the quarterfinal and the semi-finals of this World Cup as well. So just a, an honourable mention there for Carly Lloyd, performance of the year. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to uh, wrap up our awards for the year. We will be back in a day or two with uh, with some alternative awards. Just a little extra time podcast because, well, we can never really resist having a bit of fun, can we? I've been Chris Dealey. Uh, thanks again to Jamie and uh, Aiden. Catch you on the flip side. I can't be as cool as that, so I just wish everybody a happy new year. And uh, our best wishes to... Absent presenter Scott, who is currently abseiling down the side of Mount Everest. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful new year.